It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, August 23, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Local health officials reported five new coronavirus cases in Sitka over the weekend. Four of the new cases are Sitka residents, according to the city's COVID dashboard. One child between 10 and 19 years old tested positive, along with two people in their 20s, a man in his 40s, and a non-resident in his 70s. Three of the cases were not experiencing symptoms when they tested positive, and three are secondary, meaning the patients had close contact with the person who tested positive for the virus. Contact tracing is still in progress for all of of the new cases. Just over 79% of Sitkins have received at least one COVID vaccine shot, an increase of around 5% since Sitka's outbreak began in July. On Friday, the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services announced that third doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are now available statewide for Alaskans with compromised immune systems. For information on how to get an initial vaccine or booster shot, you can visit our COVID information hub at kcaw.org. A Coast Guard helicopter crew from Air Station Sitka medevaced a man in cardiac distress from West Crawfish Inlet on Thursday. Watchstanders in Sitka received a call around 1.30 p.m. from the fishing vessel Minky. Crew from the Minky relayed that the 68-year-old captain of another boat, the fishing vessel Lady Cypress, was experiencing a possible heart attack. West Crawfish Inlet is around 16 miles south of Sitka. Due to the surrounding high terrain, the inlet is considered a communication dead zone, and crew from the Lady Cypress were unable to contact the Coast Guard themselves. Lieutenant John Orthman is a Jayhawk pilot for Air Station Sitka. He says the nearby Good Samaritans were an essential part of the rescue. It never uh, ceased to amaze me how much everyone's looking out for one another uh, in southeast Alaska. If the Minky wasn't able to relay that message, uh, I think the the crew probably would have had to uh, driven out to outside waters in order to get a hold of us at that point. Because, like I said, that was a very low comms area. By the time the helicopter crew reached the scene five to seven minutes after the call was placed, another larger fishing vessel, Beaufort Sea, was in the process of transferring the patient to their boat in anticipation of the hoist. According to Lieutenant Orthman, the captain was conscious and alert, but in need of medical attention. Uh, We hoisted our rescue swimmer down to the Beaufort Sea uh, to assess the captain. Uh, He very quickly packaged the patient up, and uh, we recovered both the the captain of the Lady Cypress and our rescue swimmer, and then transported them back to Sitka, where EMS was already awaiting us. EMS quickly transferred him to the hospital, where he received treatment. This year's permanent fund dividend would be $2,350 under a proposal by Governor Mike Dunleavy, but legislators are raising questions about whether the state can afford that amount. Dunleavy added legislation on Thursday to the special session agenda that would pay for this year's PFD. If that hadn't happened, there was a chance Alaskans wouldn't receive a dividend at all for the first time in 40 years. Dunleavy's bill would also fund university scholarships, and the state's medical education program, known as WAMI. State Budget Director Neil Steininger says the governor still wants the legislature to pass the constitutional amendments he's proposed. They would enshrine the PFD in the state constitution and lower the state's spending limit. This appropriation bill isn't, you know, the agenda in and of itself. This appropriation bill is there to support the discussions and the decisions that need to be made on those bigger policy issues. 
Steininger testified on the bill to the House Finance Committee on Friday. Dunleavy has proposed drawing $3 billion more than planned from the permanent fund to cover costs for the next few years, as part of a broader compromise. Half of that money would pay for this year's dividend. Committee member Representative Bryce Edgman says he's concerned the dividend amount the governor proposed would commit the state to pay an amount that's larger than it can sustain. Edgman is a Dillingham independent who caucuses with the mostly Democratic majority. Well, I'm very concerned about overdrawing the permanent fund because, speaking of compromising, we'll be compromising the future. And if there's a downturn downturn anywhere near what we experienced in 2008, uh, 2009, certainly back in the late 80s, where the bottom essentially falls out, that overdraw this year could be magnified many times over. Kodiak Republican House Speaker Louise Stutes expressed optimism that the legislature would be able to work toward a compromise on solving the long-term gap between what the state spends and what it raises. She praised Dunleavy's decision to add funding for this year's dividend to the special session agenda. I'm excited. I'm grateful to the governor for putting on an appropriation bill, which allows us to do this. Uh, You know, I'm excited about a, a good, solid compromise where we can all feel good and Get things rolling. She said the PFD bill would go through the normal committee process in which it could be amended. She said one potential path for this year's dividend would be to choose an amount that would not draw more than planned from permanent fund earnings. If the legislature later reaches a broader compromise on a long-term budget plan, Stutes said it could pass another bill that would add to this year's dividend. KTOO's Bridget Dowd reports on Juno officials raising the community risk level too high. The highly transmissible Delta variant is taking a toll, and Juno's incident commander, Mila Cosgrove, says they want to get ahead of it. And we do not want to get into a situation where our hospitals are completely overwhelmed or we're unable to keep up. Starting at 5 p.m. Friday, stricter mitigation measures will be in place. Indoor gatherings will be limited to 20 people, masks are required, and social distancing is recommended outside. But Cosgrove says some exemptions are possible. We want to work with the community. We don't want to stop life altogether. But right now, uh, mixed groups of vaccinated and unvaccinated folks with masks off is not a very good idea. Vaccinated people are still testing positive at a lower rate than those who haven't had the shot. They're also less likely to be hospitalized or die from the virus. We are tired of COVID too, but being tired of something doesn't make it go away. We can't wish it away. We are still very much in a pandemic and it's not the time to let our guard down. Beginning Monday, there will be some changes to city services. Libraries will have reduced hours and there may be other changes as the city reassigns staff members to emergency operations. At Bartlett Regional Hospital, beds are limited and they're struggling to get seriously ill patients flown out of town. The hospital is looking to protect inpatient beds by suspending elective surgeries. Right now, Juno's test positivity rate, the number of positive cases compared to a total number of people tested, was 6 percent. That means there could be undetected COVID-19 cases in the community. More than 82 percent of eligible Juno residents have had their first COVID-19 shot, but regardless of vaccination status, Cosgrove says people should still get tested. If you test at our local testing center, you will have your results in under 24 hours. You can also test at uh, private providers in town. If you are symptomatic, do not go to the airport to test. We do not want symptomatic people in the airport 
Unvaccinated people who work around other unvaccinated populations are eligible for weekly screenings at the fire training center. People are encouraged to decrease time spent with people outside of their household and get tested five days after being exposed to someone who's positive for the virus. The city is also in regular communication with the cruise lines, but most of the recent cases have been among Juneau residents. Bars and restaurants will be at 50% capacity indoors and closing at 11 p.m. Cosgrove says she believes that's enough and doesn't expect to completely close any public spaces. I think we would have to see a variant that made fully vaccinated people very ill before we would get to a full hunker down order, which would essentially place us back to the beginning of the pandemic. Planning is underway for public health clinics to offer COVID-19 booster shots. Beginning in September, those who are eight months out from their second dose will be eligible for those. If you're immunocompromised, you can get a third shot now. Children ages 5 to 11 could be approved for their first shot by November. We got used to behaving as if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, and I think that caught up with us. Ultimately, Cosgrove says she hopes the new restrictions are short-lived. In Juneau, I'm Bridget Dowd. Former State Representative Les Guerra announced that he's running for governor. The Anchorage Democrat said in his announcement that he would support good-paying jobs, including through state construction projects and good job training. He cited his experience as a fisherman and said he wants to protect salmon from the proposed pebble mine. And he criticized Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy. Alaskans deserve a bright future, and this governor has made it very dark. Garrett is the fourth candidate to file for the primary to be held on August 16, 2022. The others are independent former Governor Bill Walker, Libertarian Billy Toyen, and Dunleavy. Guerra served in the House from 2003 to 2019, representing downtown Anchorage. He said that as a member of the House minority for all but two of those years, he had to work harder to get things done. That includes working on a law that requires that new schools and state buildings be built to energy efficiency standards. That saves money and helps us move forward on climate change at the same time. Those are smart things to do, putting people to work to address climate change. Garrett is a vocal advocate for services for children and passed legislation making changes to the state's foster care system. He was raised in the foster system after his father was murdered when he was six years old. He cited that experience in explaining why Alaskans should vote for him. I think I'm like many Alaskans. I grew up without privilege, without great wealth, uh, with some struggles like a lot of Alaskans have. The top four finishers in the primary will advance to the general election. The election will be the first held under Alaska's new ranked choice voting system. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.